Well, thank you, Andy. Uh, it's, it's, such, it's such a privilege to come to a bit of a hometown crowd. Um, our church in London is named New Life Swartasungit, the Good News Community, so it's fun for me to get to sing more in English here than I'm used to. And we just want to say thank you. Many of you have prayed for us for a long time. I grew up uh, in this church, and this church has blessed me for many years. And as Andy said, our world is really a lot of reaching out to people that are from a Hindu and Muslim and Sikh background and, and using kind of the vehicle of counseling as a way to help. It's kind of like what English was about 50 years ago. Everybody wanted to learn English. And now we learn English on YouTube. It's harder to undo traumatic events on YouTube. But today we are continuing on in your series in the book of John, in John 16. And in uh, John 15, last week you talked about the, uh, this life of love that Jesus is calling us into. And this week we're talking about what that looks like. <laughs> This, light, this amazing life of love, and as an old, the founder of Western theology, as what some have called him, a man named Tertullian, an African theologian in the second and third century, he kind of talked about, um, for those of you who, who are, not, are not familiar with the faith, he talked about God, and he said that it's one substance, but it's three different people. Very difficult to sort of get your mind around that. Because when I hang out with Muslims, they say, oh, I know, you serve three gods and we serve one. And in this passage, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And only, only a, a, a roulette player like Andy Lewis would let a missionary talk about the Holy Ghost. I did not choose this passage in my defense. This was given to me. As a gift. But oftentimes in our tradition, in the Presbyterian Reformed tradition, if you've been here a while, we are big on Jesus. And we talk about how he has won our redemption. And we're big on the Father. We talk about how he's adopted us as a son. And then we say the third person of the Trinity is us believing the gospel. We kind of leave him out a little bit. He's kind of like the cousin that comes over that you don't want to talk about, that you kind of wish wouldn't come around. And we kind of don't really know what to do with him, do we? It's kind of like Jesus is the king, God is our father, the Holy Ghost. Talk to the charismatics. But you see, this passage today is a private conversation between Jesus and his closest friends. And he lets us in just a little bit on the role and work of the Spirit. And I'm just going to read a little bit, and then I'll pray, and then we'll keep reading as we go, yeah? This is the word of the Lord from John 16, 1 through 4. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They'll put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. And they'll do these things 
because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, I thank you for this church and for your work here. We pray that you would give us new eyes to see and an actual hope to be helped. That you could really help us. I pray you'd forgive me for all of my sins. And forgive the sins of my friends. Use these words we pray. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Uh, As Andy said, uh, we have um, been a bit tired, as I know many of you are. We, uh, about in October of 2020, my wife was the only counselor at Kairos Community Counseling. And now there are seven of us. I always thought I'd be much more of a preacher, but the Lord calls us to do what he calls us to do. And in January of this year, my father passed away, and that's really messed me up, you know? That's really messed me up. It's been hard on me. For those of you who have buried somebody, it's hard. And we've been tired. We've been working too much. COVID's kind of taken it out of us. And maybe you feel like that too. It's just been hard. It's been a bit of a slog. And when someone comes up to you and you're tired and you need help and they say, well, let me get out my list of things for you to do. Oh, have you tried this? Have you tried to believe the gospel? You know, when someone needs help and you tell them to try and do something, it's not always helpful. But in this passage, in this passage today, it says that God can actually help us. I'm not talking about like church, churchy help, like real help, like I'm in a ditch help. Like he can get you off of drugs help. Like he can help you transition into college help. Like he can finally help you talk to your estranged family member help. This is the kind of help that he's offering here. And he does it because he loves us. And he does it through the Spirit. And in this passage today, it says, We must call out for the Spirit's help because he has been sent to help us. If you get nothing from what I say, He's been sent to help you. He's been sent to help you. And we're going to say, for those of you who are organized in in three different ways, the need for the Spirit, the substitute of the Spirit, and the work of the Spirit. Even though I hang out with Baptists all the time, I still remember some of the Presbyterian protocol. you got to say at least three things. The need of the Spirit, the substitute of the Spirit, and the work of the Spirit. 
You see, after this life of love that God is calling us to, Jesus says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They're going to put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told this to you. I do not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So let me give the, my version of what Jesus says. Jesus says, the world hates you. It wants to kill you. And then if they do actually try and get, they do kill you, they're going to think they're giving something to God. And it's going to get so bad that you're going to want to quit. And it's going to get so bad that you're going to want to fall away from the faith. You're going to be overcome with grief. And in the words of Jake Peralta, I thought, cool, 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 Jesus. Cool, cool, cool. Tell us more good news. <laughs> cool, cool. Right? Okay, what happened to this abide in me, vine stuff? What happened to this life of love? What happened to the life of love, Jesus? Let me talk to two different people here. For some of you, you are laying down your lives for people in Greenville, and you're getting beat up for it. And you're losing out on your retirement for it. And you think you're not getting it right. But Jesus is saying here that to be in the center of God's will is to be suffering, is to be in danger, it's to be full of grief, and to feel like you kind of want to quit. <laughs> not really an outreach Sunday type of message. See, this is when you're doing it right. Neediness is a normal part of the Christian life. We need the Spirit to help us. We need the Spirit to help us. But what we oftentimes do is we hear that the world is a tough place. We hear that there's some scoundrels out there, and what we do is we, instead of sacrificing ourselves and following in the footsteps of Jesus, we protect ourselves from the world. We try and figure out, how can I be in a safe place? I don't want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus that includes suffering and pain and grief. I want to primarily protect ourselves. And so instead of real suffering, we simulate suffering. We create escape rooms, right? Instead of going into places where people are in prison, we create avenues to suffer in some sort of simulation so that we don't have to go into it, so it can be controlled and so that we can be protected. But let me tell you one thing. The ministry of the Spirit will only make sense if you follow in the footsteps to Golgotha. 
if you follow in the footsteps of God's call for us, that we must sacrifice for those that are around us that are unworthy as Jesus has sacrificed for us. The role of the Spirit never makes sense if our whole life is to protect ourselves. Because in our, in, our, in our context, in our modern world, if there is something that causes suffering, we want to label it as toxic and we want to get it out. Oh, are you gluten intolerant? Get it out. Are you like people with issues intolerant? Get them out. Are there poor people in your neighborhood? Get them out. We want to exclude ourselves from the suffering of the world so that we can enjoy the promises of God in a protected sphere. But this was written to us so that we won't fall away. Did you catch that? It was written to us so that we won't fall away. This isn't exactly the most winsome way to have someone not fall away. I was doing a bunch of interviews. I was writing a paper this last year. And I was hanging out with South Asians, talking to them about why do you go to counseling or why do you not go to counseling? And it became very clear about there was this first world, you kind of think of it like a circle. There's this first circle where people think about what just happened. You stubbed your toe, right? And then the second world is why did that happen? I'm clumsy, right? So you have one world that actually you experience and the second world of what does that mean? And this one is very, very important to understand because for those of us who follow Jesus, this second world is primarily governed and given by the law of God. Why do things happen to me that are difficult? I turn to the scriptures to help frame how I understand those things to happen. And what was fascinating is as, 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 as I was with them, their view of how the world works was different than mine. And as we push into that second world, you will either see the need for the Spirit or you will either see the need for protection. You can't have both. The need for the Spirit comes. The need for the Spirit comes when we are following in the footsteps of Jesus because we need help. We need help. The mature Christian is not someone who is self-sufficient, who, who, has, who has everything that they ever would want. That is not the goal of the Christian. The goal of the Christian is to lay down our lives for others. And then when we are needy, the Spirit will come to help us. We are in need of the Spirit. So for those of you all who are going into your freshman year of, of high school, you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. If you're trying a new job, it's going to be tough. Are you going to try and ask her out? It's going to be hard. I'm not going to lie to you. But he's telling us, he's telling us so that we would actually go to him for help. But we have this idea that if you're doing it right, you don't suffer. 
dare we think that we are greater than our master? Number one, the need for the Spirit. Number two, the substitute of the Spirit. In verse 7 it says, Nevertheless, this is Jesus, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I, Jesus, go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now this one, was a, this one was the most surprising to me as I was trying to study and think through this. Because what he's saying here is that it's better for the Holy Spirit to come than for Jesus to be a member of, RPC, of, of uh, MRPC. It's better for the Holy Spirit to be here with us than for Jesus to be sitting beside Andy. It's better that he is a worthy substitute. That he is a worthy substitute. It's better, you are more benefited, you are more benefited by the Spirit being here than by Jesus himself being here. You see, the Spirit does so many things, and I could go through a lot, but he's an advocate. He teaches us in John 14. He convicts the, the world of sin here in John 16. He's indwelling within the believer as a source of power. In 1 Corinthians 2, he guides us to the truth. He's a giver of spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and marks us for adoption, Ephesians 1. He helps us in our weakness, Romans 8. He makes us a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5. He gives us eternal life, Romans 8. And he cleanses us that we might bear good fruit, Galatians 5. He does a lot of things. He is a worthy substitute. He is a worthy substitute. Who else, who else would you go to? Who else would you ever go to when you're in a ditch? Who do we go to? If we don't have Jesus, who do we go to? We go to Tucker Carlson. We go to Ben Shapiro. We go to David French. We go to Vadi Bakum. We go to other people who can't help us like the Spirit can help us. We need something bigger than them. We need something better. They're like a little eye drop compared with a, a lake vacation at Hartwell. There's something more that you can get from the Spirit, that you can get this refreshment, that it can actually wash your soul. This is what he's actually offering to you. You can ask him now while I'm talking. You can stop listening to me completely and just ask him to help you. This is what he does. He is a stand-in for Jesus that is more able to help you than if Jesus were only here. Do you know how long the queue would be? you know how long the line would be? You have to wait zero seconds for him. He can help you now. He can help you now. I, I, remember, I remember when uh, I went through an assessment with Surge, who's the mission organization that we were with. And, and I remember them asking me all these questions, and it was like a, a week-long interview you know when you're in an interview, interview and you're like, this is not going well. That was what it was for about a week of that. A week of the week, it was pretty much not going well. And uh, I remember going into a, they said, we're going to have a little bit of a meeting about you, Stephen. And all these people went into the same room. So that's a lot of time on one person. 
and uh, they said, okay, we, we've talked about this. Why don't you come back in? And they said, Stephen, you know, we think that your sin patterns are so dangerous. We think not only could you take your family home, we think you could take an entire team down by yourself. And they said, we really want to talk about, and they just sort of started listing these problems with my psychological assessment, with my group games that I failed, with all of these things. And then they said, we also think you've got a lot of gifts that you could really help us with. Man, you got a lot of problems. And I remember thinking, so am I in? <laughs> and I remember telling this to a friend of mine, and he said, man, do I wish somebody would tell me the truth like that. This is what we're offered in the Spirit. He'll tell you the truth, a worthy substitute. We talked about the need of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit, or the substitute of the Spirit, and finally the work of the Spirit. This is verse 8. And when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he'll not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he'll declare to you that the things that are to come, he'll glorify me. For he'll take what is mine, declare it to you. All the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The role of the Spirit is to guide you to the truth. The role of the Spirit is to guide you to the truth. And he reframes sin, righteousness, and judgment. He reframes sin, righteousness, and judgment. You see, when we think about sin in our culture, it's primarily to obey someone else is what, is what, what it means to sin. So let me, let me give you an example of my daughter. Let's say my daughter would go buy some gummy bears. And um, my son would come to her and say, hey, I want some of those gummy bears. And normally when daddy buys gummy bears, everybody gets equal. But if my daughter buys it, gets a little more complicated. And my son says, Eden won't give me gummy bears, so I'm going to murder her, right? Right? I mean, moms have been in this space before, or fathers. So everyone knows, okay, gummy bear distribution is a preference. Murdering is against everything we know to be true, right? So let me push and make people a little bit uncomfortable, and I'll start pushing into this culture just because I used to know it. Uh, Andy will clean up the mess if I, if I make too much of a mess. So, uh, I am a graduate of Clemson University. Let's say you give regularly to IPTE, right? I pay 10 a year. You, this is the Alumni Association. That's a preference you can do, right? Tithing to the church is the law of God. If you give to IPTE and you don't tithe, you are sinning, Right? That's how it works. There's a gummy bear preference, and then there's what the Holy Spirit has to help us with. Now, I don't like to give away my money just like you don't like to give away your money. 
But we have to begin to conform our will. We have to begin to change. This is what right, Jesus did to us. He, he became man and he died so that I might have life. And in, his, and in following him, I begin to reorient my life around his law. So some of you guys, let, let's think about it on a national level. I'm trying to offend as many people as possible. So let's say, for instance, you're really into guns, the right to bear arms, right? right? This is a national preference. Let's call it a gummy bear preference. Let's say you really advocate for the right to bear arms. It's not in every country, but you can do it here. Uh, one, one of our uh, little fathers of the faith says that there is no clearer imperative in the Bible than to advocate on behalf of the poor. So I have this gummy bear thing. I like to advocate for bear, on right to bear arms. Advocating the poor is more important. If you are advocating for guns rights more than you're advocating the poor, you're sinning, right? Yeah, right. So there's a lot of softballs I could throw here. Take something we do here. Oh, I like Gamecock people more than I like Tiger people. Well, no partiality. I have to begin to change that if I'm going to follow Jesus. Holy Spirit begins to reorient what we think about sin, right, and righteousness. In, in, in our culture, to be righteous is to be happy. In the scriptures, to be righteous is to sacrifice. It's different. It's hard. Like, it's, it, these are hard things to do. This is why we need help. This is why we need regular help. Judgment. In our culture, there is judgment without any hope of atonement. If you get out of step with the world, they will discard you. If you get out of step with the world, with Jesus, he will forgive you and cleanse you and give you a life of eternal joy. Those are different. So, chanting is not really something I learned in the Presbyterian tradition. But it's something I'd like to do now. So, we're going to have uh, something come on the screen. And this is going to be your, we'll do a little play really quick, okay? Can you read it up there? Is it going to be up there? Here we go. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. He will help us. So I'm going to point to you, and you say this all together. Ready? The Holy Spirit is our advocate. He will help us. Okay. Who is going to help us to stop worrying? Who is going to help us to rest from our work? Who is going to help us to respect our husbands and to dote on our wives? Who is going to help us to repent of fusing political preferences with our faith? Who is going to help us to advocate for the poor in Greenville? Who is going to help us? He can help you. He was sent to do just that. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would send your spirit even now.
and that you would make alive in faith those who don't know you and strengthen and help those who need you. Give us courage not to turn our backs on the world that you love. We promise you'd help us. Please help us. In the name of Christ, amen.